This is the GGC Life Podcast. Good morning. What a glorious morning it is. As Leo said, I'm one of the pastors here and it's such a blessing to be able to speak this morning to you and to myself actually. When I, whenever I prepare a message, it's also for me, not just for everyone else because God also highlights things that I need to change. But first of all, I want to applaud you for being here because it's a glorious morning out there. It's a sunny morning and you are in church. How amazing is that? I think that is so incredibly amazing because when you put God first, the rest of the day is blessed. Amen. So it's so, so good. Um, If you have your Bibles or your devices, your iPhones, your iPads, whatever it is, grab them out and turn with me to Psalms 127. Psalms 127. But let me say this first. What I'm about to read to you might seem too direct, too straightforward, too much to the point. But let me say this to us. I'm not ashamed of preaching how God has transformed my life by living according to the pattern that is in the Word of God. Uh, This morning we saw two incredible ladies declare publicly about their inward change. What took place inwardly, they publicly declared that they're going to follow to the blueprint and the pattern of Jesus Christ. So if you see me excited this morning and speaking to you about building according to God's pattern, it's because we know it's a trustworthy pattern. It's a a pattern that is fail proof. It's a pattern you and I need to cling on to. And it's a pattern that you and I would be amazing to follow through all the days of our lives. Amen. So if you have Psalms 127, I'm reading from the New King James Version, but have a look at the screens as well. It says this, unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is in vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate." The title of this morning's message, if you're taking notes, Building According to the Divine Blueprint. Psalms 127 highlights the importance of aligning our homes, our hearts, our lives, um, if you will, our cities according to the divine pattern. And it is also saying, you know, we can work hard, but if Jesus is not the cornerstone or the foundation, all our efforts will, be, will come to nothing, so to speak. I have seen firsthand myself what happens when I don't lean to the instructions of the Lord with my life, with our children, with our marriage. Also, I have seen what happens when we don't steward what God has entrusted to us. Our marriage, our children, our ministry, our gifting 
Can I also go as far as to say our bodies keeping fit with excellence, creativity, and integrity? Amen? Because God intends to prophesy through us, through our proper stewardship into our culture and society. Let me give you an example, right? An architect, before he builds something magnificent or significant, he first builds a model. Am I right? So similarly, the Lord uh, uh, uses a small-scale model such as the family unit, raising children, marriage, work, our health, our wealth, our single life to prophesy change in a larger scale. So the heart of the Lord is to see this city, the nation, transformed. Amen? His desire is to create systems that can become cultural phenomenons, if you will, that will bring about transformation to our society. Therefore, our mandate, your mandate, my mandate, is to know how heaven functions, how heaven operates, and emulate that here on earth in and through our lives, in and through our marriages, in and through our single life, in and through our wealth, in and through our bringing up our children, in and through our business, in and through uh, us working out, I guess. (laughs) Um, Let me say that I don't have it together. I'm not preaching this morning saying that, wow, I am 100% perfect. I'm far from it. There are times I've messed up as a mom, as a leader, as a sister, as a wife. I have messed up emulating what heaven looks like here on earth. But guess what? God does not hold that against me. He says, Christine, get up and start again. Get up and run again. Get up and align yourself to what God has for us. Amen. He has given you and I divine wisdom in order to follow through the blueprint. What do I mean by divine wisdom? It's divine reasoning. It's actually thinking from God's perspective. Do you know the scripture says you and I have the mind of Christ? That's That's scary or spooky or I don't know what you were thinking, but you and I have the mind of Christ. You and I have the ability to think and resolve situation according to God's divine pattern and blueprint. So Psalms 127 gives us five interesting points, I believe, uh, in, in the passages that we just read. The word unless becomes useless if God is not the center of it. Unless the Lord builds the home, unless the Lord guards the city, unless the Lord gives us sleep. Actually, it doesn't say unless the Lord gives us sleep. It says he gives his beloved, but I'll explain to you what happens. Unless the Lord makes us fruitful, unless the Lord provides vision to perpetuate our family. You can see those five points up on the screen if they come up. I believe it is possible to accomplish all of these things without God. But in order to be fruitful and have eternal value and significance, we need to lean to God. Let me say that I don't have everything together. Yes, Leo and I have been pastoring for the last 33 odd years. But you know what? We are on a journey to discover uh, about learning more of the things of heaven and redirecting and course correcting what we need. Amen. So it is 
important in order to fulfill all of those five areas we just read. We need to lean to God in order to have fruitfulness and eternal value. So I'm going to break it down with you. Can you walk with me a journey? I'm not going to be here long, but can you walk with me uh, to verse one? It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builder's work is pointless. It's pretty straightforward, right? Constructing a home requires great attention to detail to ensure that it's standing up, <laughs> right? So the best way to guarantee that your home won't fall apart is to hire professional people who are construction workers or builders. These experts know how to build a house, right? And you can be sure and guaranteed that this house will last the lifetime it is meant to. While most people don't build physical houses, so to speak, you and I are building the houses of our lives. And the world may suggest to you and I that in order to have a successful life, relying on oneself and hard work and effort is the way to move forward. You know, just like Um, who was it that sang, I did it my way? I'm not going to sing it, but, you know, he said, I did it my way, (laughs) you know. But that is not what God is calling us to do, to do it our way, because it's such a flawed perspective, worldly perspective that will bring about destruction and decay. Who remembers the story about the three little pigs? I know that I grew up, you know, with one of those stories where it says that the wolf came and he huffed and he puffed and the first two piggies' house came down because it was built on straw and stick. But the third piggies' house did not fall down because it was built on brick. Let me say that if our foundation is not built on Jesus, the rock, our cornerstone, we can be assured that it's not going to hold water when the pressures of life hit. It's going to come unraveling down because He's not our cornerstone. He's not the brick. He's not the stone of our life. This psalm begins with the most essential truth, establishing a home. Unless the Lord builds the home, it will not sustain. The family was his idea, guys. He wanted to be the head of every household until God is made head over every household. Let me say this. We will not establish a healthy, fruitful household. It will only end in destruction. Do you know the Bible has much to say about us constructing the houses of our lives? Let me show it to you. It should be on the screen too. Proverbs 3 says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. In all your ways, submit to Him and He will direct your path. Proverbs says many other plans in a person's heart, but it's the Lord's purposes that prevails. So why fight him, right? Uh, David revealed that all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Do you know that the, the plan for your life and my life is written in the Word of God? 
Let's not fight it, but let's align to the plans. And he's such a good father. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to do well. And sometimes if we don't get something we want then and there, it's because he knows what's best for us. And sometimes the prolonging or the enduring or the waiting is because he knows what's best for our lives. G. Campbell Morgan, a British evangelist, preacher, teacher, author says this, No house built is successful which leaves God out of account. How have we seen men build only houses with care at great cost, only to see them crumble to pieces because God was forgotten? He goes on to say, when we are building, we cannot forget God's preeminent ideas, his blueprint and his pattern. Let me read some, another person's commentary to you regarding this verse. James Montgomery says this, a Latin motto says, Nisi Dominus Frusta. I'm not sure if I'm saying that correctly. It comes from the first words of this psalm and it means without the Lord, frustration. This is a motto of the city of Edinburgh appearing on its crest and it's affixed to the city's official documents. How cool is that? And it goes on to say, it could be attached to the lives of many who are trying to live their lives without the almighty God. Without continued reliance on the Father, you and I are going to have setbacks. You and I are going to face uh, uh, things that we are not going to be able to overcome. Do you remember uh, the story about the house built on the sand and on the rock? The storms of life were exactly the same, but the one built on the rock was able to sustain the storm and walk through to the other side because their reliance and their foundation was built on the Almighty God. I'm telling you this morning and myself, you and I cannot do family life, single life, uh, wealth, health, whatever it is, because culture and society is changing. It is telling you and I how to live, how to build, how to uh, solve things, you know, uh, like I, I just think you and I need to build according to the pattern. Otherwise, our views will get swayed and it will not align to what God is saying. Amen. We're called to be the salt of the earth. We're meant to be a called out people who are different to the world around us. They should be wanting what we have rather than we wanting what they have. Solomon knew what it was to build a house and guard a city. Solomon also understood though God welcomed or commanded human effort and participation, God's oversight was even more important. Yes, the builder needs to do his job. Yes, the watchman needs to guard the city, but they must do it alongside of trusting God implicitly. Amen. Verse two, let's quickly go on to verse two. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late. Now this is, sounds strange, but let me explain. To eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. I don't know about you, but I do my best work early in the morning and late at night kind of thing, because during the day, it's a schmuzzle, so to speak. Solomon wasn't against waking up early 
and going to bed late because in Proverbs chapter 6, verses 6 through to 11, Solomon praises the hard worker that wakes up early and goes to bed late. But anytime we read a passage that seems contradictory to the others, you need to read it in context of the same Psalm 127, okay? What Solomon is saying is that from verse 1, he says that many people put their trust in their own hard work and this, become, uh, this becomes vain because you see people filled with anxiety and stress and it reveals their heart because they're not reliant on the Father. They're reliant on themselves. He's not, he's not promoting laziness, sleeping in, waking up late, don't work. No, he's not doing that. He's saying that we need to do all of this stuff with, with God's guidance and God's direction, so to speak, blueprint. There are some people I know personally who work really hard to make an amazing life for themselves. And I'm not saying you shouldn't or you couldn't and you cannot work hard and you cannot be diligent and you cannot wake early or cannot go, uh, 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 cannot go to bed night or you cannot make wealth. But can I encourage us all that we need to do it to the pattern of Jesus. Otherwise we end up putting money in a pocket that has holes that does not retain. That's why this scripture says we end up eating the bread of sorrow because we are doing everything outwork, uh, outworkingly or outwardly, so to speak. We're doing everything by ourselves, leaning onto our own understanding. And we're thinking, why isn't this money going the distance? Why isn't my family going the distance? Why is this breaking down? Why is that breaking down? Because we haven't leaned into his pattern. You know, uh, it says, eating the bread of sorrow. Somebody, um, his name is Thomas Manton. He gives a good definition of what it means to eat the bread of sorrow. He says, living a life of misery and labors, fretting at their own disappointments, eaten up with envy at the advancement of others, afflicted over much with losses and wrongs. There is no end of all of their labors. Let me say this, our success ultimately depends on the blessing of the divine providence. What do I mean? Meaning God provides for His uh, beloved. He increases the wealth. He makes them prosper because they're leaning on Him. It makes everything go further, longer and fruitful because we're leaning on Him. I'm not saying we don't have to save. I'm not saying we don't have to work hard. I'm not saying not to do any of that stuff. But we need to work smarter, not harder, like that quote. Okay, the latter part of verse 2 says, God gives His beloved sleep. Let me explain to you this passage in the context of 127. If you and I are totally reliant on ourselves, like verse 1, working hard, trying to build and on ourselves and trying to watch over our family, you know, setting up security alarms over our family, we will still have a restless night of sleep if we're not reliant on God. But when we are reliant on God, He says He gives His beloved sleep. Okay, so... 
Solomon understood that home is built by more than just having good bricks, strong bricks or strong wood. Back then and today, family is the basic fundamental unit, the most important element in society. If family breaks down, guess what? Society breaks down. And let me say to you and I that family is crucial and important in order for society to survive the way God intends for it to survive. Let me say that our children are not a burden, but rather a blessing. Uh, it's uh, Charles Spurgeon says this, he gives children not as a penalty nor as a burden, but as a favor. They are a token for good if men know how to receive them and to educate them. They are doubtful blessings only because we are doubtful persons. Wow. You know, when I was reading this passage and just going to investigate about Solomon. Solomon had 700 wives and 300 concubines. I mean, it is unheard of today, obviously. But <laughs> in Scripture, we shouldn't be doing that. But in Scripture, it says that he had one son that literally succeeded him on the throne and two daughters. But, you know, what I wanted to say was that, ooh, I didn't put my timer on. I'm sorry. Keep me account. But what's sad about Solomon is that he never knew how to walk everything that he was talking about practically. Derek Kinder says this, like much of Solomon's wisdom, the lessons of this psalm Relevant as they are to this situation were mostly lost on him. His building, both literal and figuratively, be became reckless. His kingdom a ruin and his marriage a disastrous denial of God. The man who said, behold, children are a heritage of the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. He knew very little about the abundance and the reward. We can know things in theory. You can say, Christine, yeah, I agree with what you're saying this morning. But if we don't practically outwork what we've been hearing Sunday after Sunday or through connect groups, none of the hearing, if we don't put it into practical things, is going to be helpful. Let me explain to you this. You know, growing up, <laughs> I love it. You know, <laughs> I love it. Okay, so you know what? I purposely wear flat shoes. I purposely wear pants. I perp so I don't have to think about anything coming undone anyway when I'm sharing. <laughs> Out of all the Sundays in the world... But thank you, honey. I really appreciate that. <laughs> well, this is what it means to live as family. Thank you for noticing to our children as well. <laughs> Please be kind. <laughs> okay, here we go. Let me say something to you. I wanted to give you a practical example. So, our children, when they were going, growing up and we were going to holidays and things like that, you know, Leo did something... Uh, he actually 
wanted to implement something when our kids were little, so to speak. He actually said that when we go on holiday, God doesn't go on holiday. So every morning we're going to wake up and we're going to spend time with God. Whether it be five minutes, two minutes, 10 minutes, you do your thing with God and then we'll go out. And I know our kids didn't like it to begin with. At first they would say, why? Why? We have to go out. Otherwise, it's going to be late or we're going to miss the lines to um, Movie World or Sea World or whatever, you know. But we need to go. And Leo would say, no, 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 no. We need to put God first. We need to spend time with God. Then we'll have the best day ever because we put God as a, a primary focus. You know, it's wonderful to see, you know, see them eventually catch on to it. But you know, as, they've, as Leo mentioned, three of our kids are married. Now, if they don't take it on board to their you know, married life and spend time with God primarily, just because we started well doesn't mean to say we will end well. Solomon started well with his life. He had an amazing blueprint, but guess what? The world had a louder voice in his ear and he started doing things and started compromising things. And guess what? He had such a bad end to his life. You know, just because our kids start well and we, you know, implemented certain things doesn't mean to say that they will end well if they don't align their life to the blueprint and the pattern. Amen. Quickly, verse four, like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are children of one's youth. Solomon uses this powerful imagery of a warrior holding arrows to illustrate parents' crucial role in raising their children. Just like an archer or a warrior, sorry, um, just like a warrior in battle who does not ignore the fact that he has children, but rather shapes them and gets them ready to hit the target. Parents, you and I have a responsibility not to ignore we have not to ignore the fact that we have children that we need to raise in a godly manner. I mean, arrows don't happen normally. It doesn't fall off a tree and say, boom, it's become an arrow. You know, the archer takes it, he shapes it, he grafts it, he bends it, he molds it exactly the way it needs to be so it hits the target. Just like arrows, children require guidance or direction. Otherwise, there are only two parts the arrow will end, either good or bad. So our, so our guidance is very necessary, necessary from an earlier age. Amen? Because, you know, you and I know that we are born sinful, right? We don't have the perfect nature of God until we come to an understanding. So we need to be shaped and molded even as adults, not just as children, but as adults continuously. So imagine an archer, a skilled warrior, you know, the moment he wants to shoot the arrow, he looks at the wind, he looks at the direction, he feels the tension of the string he's about to pull and release. Similarly, parents pulling too tightly may cause children to miss the target, while pulling too loosely may cause them to fail to fly. So it's so important to lean to God's direction so we know when to push, when to pull, when to discipline, when to not, because God gives us wisdom. Amen? 
Okay, um, I mean, it's, Psalms 127 says, it's vain to build a house without God. It's vain to guard a city without God. But let me say, it's more foolish to build a, house, uh, build a family without God leading the pack, so to speak. Successful parenting comes from the blueprint laid out in the Word of God. Use it, because otherwise we, our trajectory would not be accurate. Let me say that children are an extension of the warrior's strength and accomplishment. Do you know an arrow can reach places the archer cannot? I'm so glad that our children can reach places and areas that we, the archer, is shooting them out into. Is that right? Saying it that way? So like when you release the arrow, it goes into places that an archer cannot go to. So our kids are powerful weapons that can reach places that can demolish the kingdom of darkness and bring in victory for the kingdom of heaven. Amen. So when our children are annoying us, remember (laughs) when they're constantly, what's the word? When they're constantly just you know, rowling you as older kids, sometimes they rowl me as well, you know, not just the little ones. I don't know if they're joking or actually having a jab at me. Just say, children are a reward and a blessing of the Lord. Amen? Because they are, they really are. Amen? Honestly, as a pastor, I find it exciting to see our children being equipped in kids' ministry. It's so powerful. It's not just the kids' ministry to equip your children. It's primarily, it's our responsibility as a parent to equip them. But it's amazing that you can bring them into the house of the Lord and they're actually taught the Word of God because they do not serve a miniature Holy Spirit. They do not serve a miniature God. They serve the same God and the same Holy Spirit you and I do. Amen. So practical tips in how to help your children at mealtimes. Switch off your phones, parents. Switch off digital devices and spend time with them. When your travel time is another area, when you're driving from church to home or school to home or from wherever, use that time to speak into their life. Uh, I remember Leah would always say to her kids, you know we're going to be best friends, right? You know I'm going to love you all the days of my life. I'm for you. You know we're going to do life together. You know that, right? You know we're going to work for the kingdom of God, right? He would always, always put that in our children. Bedtime. Read a bedtime story and pray over them. Tell them about the goodness of God. Tell them what you're contending for so that they can see breakthrough alongside of you. Amen. Final verse, it says, happy is the man who has a quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed. You must be thinking, how in the world is she going to explain this? They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies in the gate. A quiver is a carry case, let me say for the arrows. And it says, a man is blessed when a quiver is full. So the question is, should Christians have large families? Should everyone have a quiver full of children? No, you don't. (laughs) But the world needs more godly children raised in godly homes. The world needs more godly arrows that will shape the world. You know, the Bible doesn't command married couples uh, to have a particular number of children. It just so... 
don't guilt trip your spouse into having more kids. All right? So it also doesn't say when to conceive or how many to have. It just says be fruitful and multiply. Now, I want to say this. If you're in the room or if you're watching through our live stream and you say, Christine, you know, I'm unable to do this. I'm unable to conceive. I'm unable to, you know, be fruitful and multiply. I believe this passage goes beyond biological. It can be adoptive. It can be spiritual. It can be whatever God wants it to be. But I also want to say, if you're contending for a child, I don't want you giving up. Because we serve a faithful God. We need to be reliant on Him. And He wants you to prosper. He wants your womb to prosper. So if you're here this morning, I would really love to pray with you and stand with you and in agreement so that your womb prospers and bears multiplication. Amen. Solomon's last words, the latter part of verse 5 says, they will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in the court. This might seem confusing at first, but what it's actually saying is uh, the fathers will not be embarrassed or humiliated when the children are contending with their enemies at the gate. Back then the word gate is where the dealings were happening where, you know, contracts were drawn, where problems were solved. He's basically this scripture saying that children are, uh, God, godly children can go and contend for their parents and become an influence in the community and help their parents and stand up for their parents. Uh, Bishop George Horn says this, ready winged with duty and love to fly to the mark polished and keen to grace and maintain the cause of their parents. Let me say this in summary, if I could have the band up. All our great achievements will become ultimately worthless unless the Lord is building in every area of our life. If you picked up just one thing, it would be that we cannot lean to our own understanding. We cannot lean to our own efforts. You know, this morning at our prayer, uh, someone said, it's actually the new calendar for the Jewish New Year. It started last week, Rosh Hashanah. I'm sorry if I said it incorrectly. Do you know when the New Year comes, whether it's January or here in September, guess what? The family comes together and put things in order. Assesses everything. Okay, we need to fix this. We need to look ahead. So we need to adjust this, realign this, re-budget, refocus, re-this. I believe even in the house of God, there are things we need to realign and readjust in order to step into our new year, to take on what God has for us. Thanks for listening to the GGC Life podcast. We hope you feel encouraged. Be blessed.